in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. Acts chapter 2, I got to get there myself. All right, if you would, stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word. You'll find these similar words. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. And they, that's the church there, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul when many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, Father, I pray that you'd give us an understanding of your word. Father, unless you open up our eyes and open up our hearts, Lord, your word will fall on deaf ears this morning. So, Lord, may we hear from heaven this morning as it pertains to your church. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys, go ahead and be seated just for a moment. It's been said that if you want to be an expert on any subject, all you have to do is read four to five books on that particular topic. Now, if that statement were true, I guarantee you that I would be an expert on the church. If you were to go into my office right now, I've got roughly 30 books that were written about the church. I've got books like Simple Church. You know, the church just needs to focus on one thing and really be good at that one thing. I've got books like Breakout Churches. Uh, how does a church stuck in, in, in a situation, a, stu- a church that has plateaued, how, how do you break out of that? I've got books like Total Church Life. I still remember I did a book report on Total Church Life when I was in college that basically said that the ministry of the church is You should exalt the Savior, equip the saints, and evangelize the sinner. Really good book. Really good book. Um, I've got churches like Why Churches Die. I'm a church. I've got a book uh, called Why Churches Die. We just finished a book in Sunday school, finished it today as a matter of fact, called The Irresistible Church by Wayne Cordero. Uh, I finished reading a personal book last week by Henry Blackaby uh, called Flickering Lamps, Christ and His Church. I've read numerous books on the church, but sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm not an expert on the church. But there is one book that I really think stands head and shoulders above every other book that I've read on the church, not, not the scriptures, but Rick Warren wrote a book after, how many of you read The Purpose Driven Life? You've heard of The Purpose Driven Life, something, that book. He, he wrote a book after The Purpose Driven Life called The Purpose Driven Church. In my estimation, my estimation only, one of the best books out there that I've ever read as it pertains to the church. Now, we're in this middle of a a series called Foundations of of Our Faith. And we're walking through some of the foundational elements of 
of our faith in Christ. And we've, we've taken a couple of weeks and looked at the Scriptures because the Scriptures give us every other view that we hold when it comes to the faith in Christ. Uh, last week, we, we looked at Jesus himself. And this week, we're looking at the church. What, what role does the church play in the life of a believer? And, man, I could have gone in so many different directions this morning when you think about the church. But here's what I really felt like the Lord was leading me to talk about. What is the purpose of the church? Uh, man, we have so many people in our, in our community and in our culture that if you were to talk to them, hey, why does the church exist? Man, you would get answers that range from right to left and, and everywhere in between. And that everybody has an opinion about what the purpose of the church is. Some people see no, absolutely no purpose in the church. In fact, man, it's, it's well documented. I, I've made several statements about it from the pulpit. Uh, the fastest growing group of people in our country are the nuns. Not, not the nuns who put things on their, not the ladies who put things on their head, but the religious nuns, those who, when asked about religious affiliation, uh, they, they check the box that says none. They don't really see any point in religious affiliations, denominations, churches, things like that. And so, man, the, they just see no purpose for the church. I was talking with a guy um, a couple of months ago. He said he believed in God, he believed in Jesus, he believed that Jesus rose again from the dead, but he just don't really have any need for the church. He, he, I can't, he didn't know last time he had been to church. And here's what I always say to people in that context. Uh, and so I asked him, I said, now, I like you, you like me, we're, we're pretty good friends, acquaintances maybe you would call us. I said, but what if I looked at you and said, man, I, I like you, I love hanging out with you, but I hate your wife. I just really have no use for your wife. How would you think of me then? He said, well, I wouldn't care about too much for you. Well, it's just kind of the same deal with Jesus. The church is the bride of Christ. We are his wife. And so for somebody to say, I love Jesus, but I have no use for his wife, is kind of like slapping Jesus in the face. You wouldn't want to do that. And so when we, we're going to dive in. We're going to look at the purpose of the church. But before we do, let me make three statements. They're not going to be on the screen. They're, you know, they're just statements that I think that are important that you need to realize about the church. Number one, Jesus died to create the church. Now, it's not going to be on the screen. You just have to write it down if you want to remember it. He's the founder. He's the one that works to build the church. Remember what we said last week? Jesus said, hey, hey, Peter, uh, Peter, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against. Okay, so Jesus is the founder of the church. So number two, because he created the church, he sets the purpose for the church. Now, now I want you to, you've got to catch this. Things like vision and values will change from church to church. But the purpose of the church, that's something that covers every single church. And so you've got to grasp this. The purpose of the church is not something that we create ourselves the purpose of the church is something that we discover from God's Word, from what Jesus has told us in the Scriptures. Big difference between the two. Number three. Man, this is so good. Maybe I should have made this as a major point as well. The church is a living organism that needs to be advanced, not an institution that needs to be maintained. Do y'all catch that? 
the church is a living organism. We're living. We're breathing. We're called the bride of Christ. We're, we're, we're something that has a heartbeat. We're the hands and feet, the body of Christ. We are an organism. We're a living being that needs to be advanced. We need to be taken care of. We need to go out and, and eat and, and to grow and things like that. Not an institution that needs to be maintained. We, we've got to keep the status quo. We've got to do things this way. We've got to do this. No, we're something that has to be advanced, not something that has to be maintained. And so anytime we, we begin to think we, we, we've got to preserve this, then we've kind of missed the purpose of what God has called us to do. And so an organism that needs to be advanced, not an institution that needs to be maintained. Now, let me give you five purposes. And again, it's Rick Warren. Um, most of this is coming from him. After church today, we're going to have a new members class. Um, you'll, you'll get the same purposes uh, of the church in our class time uh, this afternoon. But five purposes of the church. First, first purpose, most important, I think every other purpose of the church falls under this, this, this category. First purpose is worship. Everything we do is in reference to, er, in regards to worship of King Jesus. Now, if you have your Bibles, you see this in verse 47. The first two words that you see in verse 47, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. Now, the church here was thriving in, in Acts chapter 2. And 3,000 people had just gotten saved. Uh, people were coming to church. People were sharing their possessions with each other. But they were all doing this in response to what God had done for them, right? Because he, he, here's what can happen if you're not careful. You can begin to see your actions and your works as the primary objective. And if you ever begin to see what you do as the primary objective, instead of who you're worshiping, then you've, you've really missed it. Because there's, hey, there, there's a lot of people out there that they do a lot of good ministry, but worship of Jesus is nowhere on their radar. P places, people like Habitat for Humanity, United Way, man, they do great, great, great works but worship of King Jesus is not on their radar. And so when I talk about the primary purpose of the church is to worship Jesus, everything we do is in response to what God has done for us. I mean, think about it. We were lost. We were hopeless. We were helpless. God loved us enough in our rebellion that he sent Jesus to die for us. And so therefore, everything we do is in response to what God has done for us. And so worship of him has to be primary. Now, here's a great example of a church that that really, they did great things. They did good ministry. Doctrinally, they were very, very conservative, very sound when it came to the scriptures. In fact, those who were false prophets, they called out. But the church at Ephesus, what Revelation chapter 2 verse 4 says, Jesus said, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love that you had at first. You see, just because we, we do good ministry, just because we, we go here, there, and everywhere, just because we do good things, just because we have the right belief, does not mean that we're worshiping, worshiping the right way. Worship of King Jesus has to be primary. And let me say this. Worship is more than singing a song. It's more than gathering on Sunday morning. It's a... It's a complete life surrender to who Jesus is. It's worshiping him above all else. A.W. Tozer said it this way. 
If you go to church once a week, nobody pays attention. But if you worship God seven days a week, then you become strange. We should be the people that should be different. We should be the people that worship Jesus in everything we say, everything we do, everything we think. Okay? So here's the next purpose. And so you've got worship. Everything's going to fall under worship. Here's the next purpose that you see in this text. Fellowship. The text says here that the early church devoted themselves to fellowship. The idea of fellowship, you see it in verse 42, by the way. The idea of fellowship is that of partnership. When you become a follower of Christ, you become partners, first of all, with Jesus in ministry. But secondly, you become partners with other believers in ministry. Now, one of the best ways you see this is in the passages that talk about one another in the Scriptures. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage one another. Lift one another up. You see, technology is a wonderful thing. I'm thankful for technology. But if Charles Stanley and Beth Moore and Priscilla Schreier are your pastors, then you've missed it. You've missed the purpose of the church. None of those people are going to call you when you're sick. None of those people are going to help take care of you when you're in a tough time. None of those people are going to be good friends to you. None of them are going to help hold you accountable for that you need the fellowship of the body of christ now and let's be honest if the only time you see one another is 11 o'clock on sunday morning fellowship never happens fellowship only happens when you spend time with one another and they'll catch this when you're authentic with one another if you don't if you're not real with one another i mean we could hang out all day long but if you don't open up and get transparent with one another You've missed it when it comes to fellowship. You know, we live in a sin-filled world. We live in a world where Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And Satan knows that if he can isolate you, he can gain victory in your life. You need the fellowship of the body of Christ to be victorious in your walk with Jesus. So fellowship comes under worship. Here's the second thing. After fellowship, we see discipleship. The text says here that the church continued in the apostles' doctrine, meaning they took time to study the scriptures. Discipleship happens when you put time and effort into growing as a follower of Jesus. The Bible says that when someone comes to faith in Christ, think about it this way, they are born into the family of God as a baby, just like babies are growing up around us physically, Christians should grow up in their faith. Now, discipleship happens in a number of ways. It happens when you do personal Bible study. It happens when you come to church at 11 a.m. I hope some of you are uh, getting discipled right now, even as I speak. It happens when you attend a Sunday school class or a small group. It happens when you enter into a one-on-one disciple-making relationship. But now catch this. Discipleship is more than information. How many of you grew up in, in, in your idea of discipleship was disciple hour that happened on Sunday night? Anybody? Oh, come on. Y'all be honest. Nobody ever thought about discipleship as a training union you, you go to on Sunday nights. That's what, a, that's what a lot of people think discipleship is. You go to a class and you learn more about being a follower of Christ. But no, guys, discipleship doesn't happen unless you take the information that you're learning and you put it into practice on a daily basis. So discipleship means you not only learn about God, but you learn to walk by faith. The text says here that they become people of prayer. 
Discipleship is when you learn from others. Man, that's what Morris Fowler and Danny Hewitt, that's what those guys did for me. Um, as I was growing up, man, they began to, to, to teach me what it was to pray. They began to model that before me. They began to model evangelism before me. They began to, to model. I remember my Uncle Mike. Uh, man, I got saved on a Monday before I went to church on Sunday the following, the following week. Uncle Mike said, do you, do you have your tithing envelope? You know what he's saying? He was beginning to disciple me. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you, you need to begin to tithe to the local church. And so he just began to, to pour into me. But now I want you to notice something. Fellowship and discipleship. You know what you could do right here? You could just draw like a little arrow, and you could say inward. Because both of these things are things that are happening on the inside of you. You're focusing on, on growing as a follower of Christ. If, if you've been through Chuck Campbell's G3 information, here's, here's really what you're saying. This is giving up, where you surrender to Jesus, you begin to worship him. This is giving in. You're taking time to grow and mature, like, like the scriptures say. You, you've got to grow and mature as a follower of Christ. And so here's, here's what I'm saying. This is what Jesus says is the purpose of the church. You, you can put it in... In any language you want to, but it's the same deal. Exalting the Savior. Remember I said total church life, exalting the Savior. This would be equipping the saints. It's the same, it's the same concept. But there's two, there's two more, and now you begin to push out. Okay, so you, you're growing inward. Now you, you, you begin to, to push outward. Here's the, the fourth thing that we'd see. It's this idea of ministry. You see it in verse 44. And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day they were attending the temple one, breaking bread together in, the, in their homes. They received their food with glad and, and generous, generous hearts. And so they began to ministering to one another. Henry Blackaby, in that book I just finished reading on, on flickering lamps, and it's this idea of how you, you grow a church that's, that's kind of stagnated. Henry Blackaby said one of the purposes of the church is to preserve and bless their community. Here's what he's saying. The church needs to be involved in ministry in their local communities. We are to be an influence in our community. The community should be blessed by the ministry of the local church. That's, that, man, that's the heartbeat of Serve the City. That, that's what we're trying to do. I, man, I desire, I hope, and I pray, and I hope you, you feel the same way. I desire for this to be a body of Christ that if we cease to exist tomorrow that the town of Bethel would miss the ministry of the church. Our grief share ministry exists for that of the community. When you think about youth groups, teen kids, the focus should not just be on who's in our church but who's in our community that we can reach out to. We feed the football team so that we can reach out into the community. We feed feeding the teachers on August 24th so we can minister to our community. And you see what happens? The focus is no longer on us, but it's on who? It's on others, right? Because Jesus has called us to, to minister to others. But now here's the final thing. The purpose of the church, this last thing, is evangelism and mission. They were praising God and having favor with all the people at the end of verse 47. And what happened? The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Remember the last thing Jesus said? It's called the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's called the Great Commission. 
our, our vision of reaching here, there, and everywhere with the gospel is based on Acts 1-8. It's a promise that Jesus said, hey, when the Spirit comes upon you, so when you get saved, you're, you're going to be filled with the Spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, so that's a little further, and then to the ends of the earth. Here, there, and everywhere. Again, the church is an army of believers advancing the kingdom of God, not by force, but by simply trusting in His Spirit, telling others about the good news that we have in See, Jesus gave his life for all who had placed their faith in him. That's why we partnered with Toronto. I don't know if you saw it this week. The Journey Church just baptized three people. One of those is Jonathan, a, uh, a young man from China that had just moved to Toronto within a couple of years. That's why we partnered with the Journey Church. And it's why we partnered with those two churches in the western part of the state that are trying to reach the the people on the island of Solar. He gave his life for those people. He gave his life for those in Haiti. He gave his life for those here in Bethel. And he is worthy of their worship. He desires that every man, woman, boy, and girl come to know Jesus as their Savior. Those who don't know Jesus will never cry out to him unless people like you and I take the gospel to them. They'll never experience true joy. That longing in their hearts will never be satisfied until they come to know Christ. They'll never know true fulfillment if they never come to know Jesus as their Savior. And they'll never come to know Jesus as their Savior. People like you and I don't take the gospel to them. You see, that's the purpose of why God saved us. That we go and share Him with a lost and dying man. Now, let me, let me break it down for us, and, and then we'll, we'll go into a time where you can respond. For some of you today, here's where your next step would be. Simply surrendering your life to Jesus. You know, it's one thing for us to sit in here and we talk about the, the purpose of the church, If you were honest with yourself, you're still sitting on the sidelines. You're still debating, man, do I really want to surrender my life to Jesus? Do I, do I really want to worship him with everything that I have? Do I, do I really want to, to give him my life? Man, this morning I just want you to realize that Jesus died for you. He shed his blood for you. And the greatest decision that you can ever make is, is the decision to take a step of surrender to But now here's where some of, some others of you are. You've surrendered your life to him. Wesley, if you can go back to that last screen that's got all four pictures on it. But man, you've never gotten involved in a body of Christ. You've never really taken discipleship seriously. You've never joined a Sunday school class. You've never gotten involved in a small group. And maybe you say things like this. You'll never really grow in fellowship and discipleship if you don't trust them. You know what? You know what happens when you trust people. You have to be vulnerable. That means you might get hurt in the process. But if you aren't real and authentic, you're missing out on the purpose of the church. You've got to develop these relationships where where you can not only share your burdens, but you can rejoice with those who rejoice. 
for some of you, today your next step is saying, you know what? I've surrendered my life to Jesus, but I want to get involved. I, I want to go deep in my walk. And then some of you, here's your next step. You're over here. Maybe, and maybe you come to Sunday school. Maybe you, you've really gotten involved and you're growing in your faith. But you don't, you don't really go out to the community. It's all been focused on self, and now the Father is calling me. I can do more. I can get involved. I can serve in some capacity. I can help out with Miss Alice. I can help out feeding the football team. Man, did you hear about those Sunday school teachers this morning that were so impactful in the lives of others? Maybe I could serve in that capacity. Maybe I could go on a mission trip. Maybe I could go to Haiti or I could go to Toronto or I could go to, to Indonesia. But I want to get serious about being a part of the local body of Christ. And then here's the last thing. Some of you, you fit everything on the screen. You're involved in missions. Involved in, you've been teaching a Sunday school class forever. You, you've done everything under the sun. You've bought the t-shirt, the, the pants, the outfit, the hat, and everything that goes with it. And here would be your next step. Who are you raising up behind you? Who, who's going to come in and, and fill your spot? Who are you? you know, Titus, and, and this could be it's directed towards women, but it's true, it's true of men as well. In the book of Titus, Paul instructs him, hey, some of, the, some of the older ladies, you need to pour into the younger ladies so that they could, so that the ministry cycle could continue. If you look behind you, who are you intentionally pouring your life in? Who are you intentionally investing your life in so that when the Father calls you home, that the ministry will continue? You, you, you see, the Great Commission, it's for us as a church, but it's for you as a person as well. You've got the intention invest your life in others so that they can turn around and invest their life into somebody else. That, that's a step that some of you need to take this morning because you've done everything else, but very few people, very few people ever will get to the point in their faith and in their walk with Jesus that they intentionally invest in somebody else in a one-on-one relationship. Some of you are at that step kingdom of God will be better off because you've taken that So the question is, where are you this morning? If you were to gauge your uh, involvement and your faithfulness to the purposes of the church, where would you be? And this morning, is the Spirit calling you to take a next step? You know, it's okay if you want to stay in that, that little growth spot, that little growth spot focusing inward, sometimes you need to take time to grow. Well, maybe the Father's calling you to go a step further. So why don't you do this? Just close your eyes and just bow your head just right where you are. Musicians are going to come and get in place. what I'm going to ask you to pray. I'll pray it out loud. You pray it silently. Father, is there a step you want me to take? And if so, what is it? 
Lord, I trust that you're speaking to your people. Lord, I ask that you would reveal what it is you want your people to do. And Father, do it for your glory. Not for us, but for you. And it's in his name we pray. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a priest in the sense that you have to confess anything to me. You have a direct link through Jesus Christ to go before the Father. But if the Spirit is just overwhelming your heart, you need to get involved. You need to do this or whatever He's called. I can pray with you. I'd be glad to do so. If you want to, to get on your face here at the altar. Our altar is open. Maybe you're visiting and you say, you know what, I think the Father's calling me to, to make this my church home. Our doors are open. We'd love to talk with you about that. Maybe you're here this morning you say, you know what, I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. Our church would rejoice with you. And if he's calling you to do that, I'm going to ask you when you stand and we sing, would you just get up from where you are and just walk down the aisle and say, Pastor, today I want to surrender my life to Jesus. And so however the Spirit is leading, I'm just not going to ask that you'd be obedient to that. And I will trust that he's working. So would you stand with us? And I don't know what page it is. On the screen. It's going to be on the screen. So would you stand and you sing and, and you respond as the Spirit is leading?